I don't know if you remember, Clay, but back in season one, there was a lot of uh, stuff that I was reading in the oral history, oral history, of uh, Star Trek Enterprise, where the writers were saying that Star Trek Enterprise was going to be the prequel that was before Starfleet got all stuffy. There was going to be sex. People were going to be having conflict. You're goddamn right most, there's going to be sex. <laughs> most Otherwise, we're not doing the show. Brandon, write it down. Rick, Rick, control yourself. Rick. <laughs> <laughs> they were good. There was going to be sex. All I want, all I want, is I just want at some point flocks to say, "You're disturbing my serum." <laughs> Brandon, can he can he just inject the serum into her and just get it over with and make sure that this all works? There was going to be sex in Enterprise. Mm. This is sex in Enterprise, and we are all the kind of we're all the better. Yeah, well, it's it's it's. Uh, the color of blue is very appropriate for what's going on in that decontamination chamber, I think. But we're up to Bounty, which is not just a quicker picker-upper. It's an episode of Star Trek. We're going to come back after we play a clip. We're going to break down the very, very exciting, yet very boring episode that is Bounty. <laughs> we'll take a break now. What are you doing? You said we'd need another treatment. Not for three hours. Is there any harm in starting now? I can apply it myself. Thank you. Perhaps you need another sedative. Rest is not what I need. Subcommander, this behavior is hardly appropriate. My name is DePaul. You don't find me attractive? Of course I do, but that is not the issue. I'm familiar with Denobulan sexuality. I know that your marriages aren't exclusive. You and I are colleagues. It's against regulations. Starfleet regulations. There's no reason to be restrained by human morality. It's obvious you're not well. Please. Bounty is the 25th penultimate episode of the second season. We only have one more to go with the season finale next week. First, I wanted to call it Bosom, but they wouldn't go for it. Booty. First aired on the 14th of May, 2003. It is the second of three in the Archer's Trial by the Klingons arc, so this does come back for a finale at some point. Teleplay goes to Hans Tobiasen, I think, and Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong. Story credit goes to Rick Berman and Brennan Braga, directed by (laughs) Roxanne Dawson. In-universe date is March 21, 2153. In this episode, Archer is captured by a Tellarite bounty hunter who plans to hand him over to the Klingons. A microbe induces the pond far into Paul, who finds herself confined to the decon chamber with flocks. She does. Um, which storyline do we get out of the way first? Or do you think they're equally important to talk about here? Do you want to get Archers out of the way first? There's probably more to talk about with T'Pol than there is sure. Archer. Sure. Uh, the Tellarites make their first appearance. Wazoo. That's a big That's big for Star Trek uh, <laughs> continuity and everything like that. Um, good makeup. I thought the makeup was yeah, really the good. Yeah, te- the Tellarites always look really good. Uh, they look a little bit more pig-like in the original series, but they he looks he looks suitably piggish in this one. Um, he's not piggish at heart, though. He's a good guy. Um, this is... The Archer thing is funny. The Archer storyline to me is quintessential Enterprise storytelling to this point. Mm-hmm. It's like... I think we talked about it in the last episode. They, they have a real problem getting to a next gear in what's the next exciting step for this story to take. And Archer gets captured by a bounty hunter here pretty easily. Archer and Trip look pretty stupid, did, all things considered. Did he not learn anything from the cogenitor 
where when 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 alien races you've never met show up and we're, are like, you should come take a tour of our ship. Everything will be fine. It ends up not being fine. Yeah, a lot of ship touring <laughs> here. A lot of a lot of let me show you the pl- around the place. I don't know. He gets he gets captured. It's all fine. It's just this really middling conflict the whole time where it's like you know they they add pieces like the tellerite has trying to get his ship back and his brother or whatever that guy is doesn't like him and he's lonely and he just wants to make right in the world and archie can kind of feel bad about him he's not a heartless bounty hunter he feels bad about sending him to the klingons and then he just uh, lets him go they add they also have that other alien that looks like one of the bad guys from the dolph lundgren masters of the universe movie who they just maroon on a planet oh the other bounty hunter yeah yeah You know what I mean? It's just, it's just missing something. It's a, it's mm. perfectly fine, but there's no, there's nothing to it really. It's just you keep expecting some kind of um, conflict or deep conversation to happen between Archer and the guy, and it just never comes. I think one of Enterprise's critical flaws, at least to this point, is that it just its workmanlike quality really prevents it in a lot of ways from figuring out what an episode is supposed to be about or storyline is supposed to be about. And they all just kind of feel the same because they don't have a, a singular focus about this is what the issue of this storyline is. And it gets, gets a little bit tiresome after a while. This one felt, I enjoyed Archer's storyline for what it was. Um, I like the alien design and the ship design and the prison, the prison bar design with the glowing yellow bars and everything, but it's just who cares about, you know, this is a who cares yeah. story. Yeah, it's a pretty surface level action story with not a lot going on. Um, the Tellarite story, I actually kind of found like it. I thought there was some potential there uh, to to tell kind of a, an interesting story as far as the um, the bounty hunter who isn't uh, isn't just Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive. Uh, he actually you can get to him a little bit and he's doing it for a specific reason and weirdly enough i actually really liked the scene with his brother where they kind of had this like breakdown of the thing this guy was after and even though we weren't really following like we didn't see any of that stuff it was just like a a well-played scene between the two actors that i like believed what they were talking about the one where they where they close it with he's like you don't even recognize the ship anymore he's like what did they do to my engines yeah yeah yeah, i kind of i I was kind of into it for to, to a certain extent but like yeah i don't know there's there's no there's nothing linked to any of that stuff to explain why Archer gets through to this guy and what's the thing what's the thing that made him decide that Archer maybe should be let go and that the, he should pull one over on the Klingons yep. it, other than the fact that the Klingons destroyed the ship which I mean if that's the thing he's at maybe that's enough I don't know but yeah. it didn't feel like enough yeah he never he never makes that realization I don't think about it it's just um and also, like, still, if you look at it from his point of view, he doesn't fucking know if if, if Archer is innocent or not, and he yeah. still lets the guy go after after a, a fairly uh, um, unconvincing. He already tried to escape once by busting the guy's uh, uh, melting the uh, engine or whatever he was yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really know if if Archer did enough to convince me that he wasn't guilty of what he was being accused of. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the thing. The storyline doesn't focus on Archer trying to convince the guy of anything. It doesn't mm-hmm. focus on the guy's struggle as a 
forced into bounty hunting because he lost his ship. It's all there, but no, like none of it is like this is the primary focus of what it's supposed to be. And it's funny that I would have expected the conflict between them to be the um, what Trip talks about. I think it's Trip when Trip says goodbye to Arch or whatever. He, he explains the one thing that we know about the Tellarites, besides the fact that they look like pigs, is that they do like to argue. That's like the one thing we know about <laughs> Tellarites, which is from some series down the line. I thought it was going to be an entire episode of Archer having to convince a guy who likes to argue that he's innocent and they would have a lot of arguments about what that meant and things like that. That would have been fun. That that doesn't really happen. It's not, you know, it's not like the Monty Python Ministry of or Argument Clinic or whatever that sketch mm-hmm, is. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing there's nothing alien about what Archer is going through. There's just a bounty hunter who has the heart of gold that's going to let him go at the end. And it's it's so rote and predictable and you know not a single not a single scene of that one goes by where you're like i uh i didn't predict this was going to happen or that's an interesting scene it's just kind of it's just there yeah yeah i i agree it's it's just it's a fairly beat by beat action thing and would you even call it hampered i I mean the fact that their action is happening i guess flying around and there's ship shooting and stuff and they're you, know, you got to let me out of here so I can fly the plane. You're not. You can't fly and fix at the same time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But like, even 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 the Enterprise is being pretty lax about this plot. Like, it's they're they're trying to find Archer, but they don't feel like they're uh, uh, racing against the clock that much yeah. or anything. Like, they get to that planet, and and Trip is even like, "Hi, sorry to bother you. Um, did you happen to see a ship?" Maybe come through like there's no <laughs> right. no no urgency. There's no urgency to yeah. what's going on and like it, it, the uh yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a, it's not a lot of um there there's not there's not a second level of, of tension uh, ratcheted up no. uh, in the story. It's just Archer gets captured, he's gonna get delivered to the Klingons or not. Right. There's not like there's there's no secondary thing except for when he tries to escape on the Klingon ship, which, man, that was a hell of a plan to try and pull off. <laughs> Count, counting on that guy, not screwing him over with a lockpick case, and then being able to fist fight a Klingon, which I don't think he's ever done before. Yeah. And the Klingons, as we know after 50 years of Star Trek history, are known for being very difficult to fight. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite move is the... He jumps and rolls on the ground as two Klingons shoot at him and dodge, and he hits both of them dead shot with his two shots. He just nails them. It's excellent. He he. It's like the, he falls to the floor and rolls before like they even get into the scene. Yeah. yeah. So like he stopped rolling before. Usually you do that to as they're shooting to avoid the shots. But he does that before they start shooting, so he stopped moving by the time they've got their guns out. So he's really done nothing, but he apparently manages to get the drop on. He's just a dead eye. He just, he just he nukes those guys, takes, takes yeah. them out. The Klingons just can't handle it. Yeah, and he, he beats another guy to death, I assume, with his handcuffs or whatever to get out of there. I mean, the, the Tellarite guy was right. He's just 
they're just racking up bounty on this guy. He's if he's killed like four people on a yeah. Klingon ship at this point, in, on top of the st- other stuff. Now he's literally is guilty of murder. His, his if this is Red Dead Redemption, his little bounty meter is way is just going up. It's like mm-hmm. five hundred dollars at this point, and random cowboys. And he didn't he didn't even accidentally shoot a ranch hand or right. anything. Like I've I've done more than once in that game. It's too many confusing buttons. You can't remember that. Get off your horses, draw your gun, and shoot the guy in front of you in the face. It's, it's all very confusing. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's it for the Tellarite thing. This is mostly an episode that's about DePaul and the Phlox storyline, I think. Um, well, it's it was weird to me, actually, because they both felt kind of equally unimportant. They, it kind of felt like an episode with two B-plots, yeah. honestly. Yep. Because even the one, even the T'Pol thing doesn't really have a meaning to the story they're telling other than this virus accidentally made her super horny for a few hours yeah like it's not like one one isn't one isn't taking the lead in this dance really you know it's like yeah. one storyline yeah. is not really it's just the enterprise is chasing after archer and t'pol is stuck in the decon chamber on enterprise really and it's it's not even it's a weird disconnect that they they aren't even missed in this mission, you know, it's like Trip isn't mm, on the bridge going, yeah. I wish DePaul was around to tell me what the hell's going on. They, yeah. th- he brings her food during the middle of it, you know, and it's like it's a very casual, uh, disconnected. And that's probably the problem with some of the, I mean, it's one of many of the problems with the DePaul stuff, but it's the, the fact that she's incapacitated has nothing to do with rescuing Archer. There's no, right, right. There's no, um, layered story conflict on top of that it's just a awkward comedy type setup and um i think the first thing to get out of the way of the t'pol storyline is they uh they get away with a lot they they get away with a lot because they don't define the word mate and what mate means in this context (laughs) right does does she have to orgasm like, does she, does, is it just the act of having sex? Do they have to have a kid? Brandon, you're, you're reading my mind, asking the questions <laughs> that I think we should answer. There's, I, it's like, there's a. Questions I've been thinking about for 50 years. <laughs> there's a, there's a tension, there's like not even a tension of, oh, Jesus, flocks. Like when a female Vulcan's in Pond Far. You have to hit it doggy style as hard as you can for fifty-seven minutes. You know, there's no, there's no pressure on. Like, what if he's, if he just two pump jumps it? Is there a problem here? Like, I don't. You know, this, this is. It's all a very stupid episode, but Flox's reticence to do anything is kind of stupid in this. You know, like I, I understand well, he's, he has. I guess the metaphor is that she's drunk. Is it supposed to be that she's drunk and it's like a professional thing? But she will die if she doesn't have sex. And he's like, I can't give you the sex. I'm sorry. He's yeah, also the horniest. Think- he's also the horniest male character because he has multiple wives and his species has been defined as he just has sex with everybody. So, well, that's how they define it. But he very much seems to be a fairly. Uh- he, he demure, says the male denobulans, or denobulans, I guess, or whatever they're called, yeah. the, the reticent ones in this species. His, his wife, on the other hand, very much so. But, Miss, but missing Mrs. Flocks in this, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if only, oh my God, what if he introduced her to his wife? <laughs> oh boy. Do we have to wait seven years to do this again? Well, um, you you, def- you think Flocks' actions here are understandable or like willing I, to drive this story? 
I I think it's I think it's all just very silly to begin with. It like, is like you're saying what what constitutes mating right and how does that stop her from dying i guess yeah right right what what's necessary to stop her from dying is is it right insertion is it an orgasm can yeah. she just go to town on herself in the corner and yeah, flux, sits flux there? just whip up some sort of marital <laughs> aid or something Fl- for her to <laughs> that's where the tricorder came from it's this episode invented just for her pleasure but that's yeah. that that's on a story level, that's the problem with it. It's like, mm-hmm. what's the stakes for Flocks? It's it's all built on this sort of puritanical, oh, Jesus, we're co-workers. I can't have sex with you to save your life, even though it will save your life. So there's no there's no crux to that story. It's just a strange yeah. idea. It's 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 hamstrung a couple ways because they've similar similarly to the the Archer storyline. There's no second act to it, really. Like, there's no escalation. Um, Once it escalates, because, there's no second level of something else happening. I guess would be the yeah, way. Yeah, it's yeah. Because I was gonna say, like, there's no, and and the, and the reason that is is because they the the excuse to set it up the way they have is that she has some virus that if she gets out of decon too early she could spread the virus to the rest of the ship it's like okay well that basically locks you into this room with the two of them and what are you if if you're not gonna do a character story with the two of them then why are you doing this it just turns into a bunch of sex jokes which is basically what it is like yeah. you don't you don't learn anything about to paul or you don't learn anything about flocks that's they and they don't connect uh, it in any way physically or otherwise yeah um to really make it have much of a point but you also don't do the thing where she gets out and starts like wreaking havoc on the ship or like she, you know, she kind of does she gets out yeah yeah but yeah. Yeah, not really though they, she, they gives, just, she they gives just, reed a, a hard on for the ages and that- yeah like well that's what i was like <laughs> i was surprised that they didn't do that I, that's kind of what i was expecting is more of her kind of going around the ship essentially like sexually assaulting everybody <laughs> And seeing how the different characters and different people on the ship react to it. Yeah. Um, but they don't do that. And then like And, and her end, right her 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 like bacterial infection is like an STD in that sense. You know, it's kind of like it, right. if she gets other people sick, but they, they know she's out and she that she's infected, so they approach her in those spacesuits the entire like every time they right. see her, they're in those suits. As you should a woman in the wild. Yeah. Um but uh the but the uh, the other way they go with it, like they she doesn't remember anything that happened. And like I would be, I was surprised that she was not more put off when she was like, "Did we?" And Flox is like, "Well, I'm not going to tell you that." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean you're not going to tell her?" <laughs> Flox with the power play right there. Yeah, yeah, just, that's d- like. <laughs> He may as well have assaulted her at that point. You know? He won't fuck her to save like, her life, imagine, but he'll lie to her and imply that he did have sex with her, and it's a power play over her for yeah, the rest of the crew. Imagine, yeah. imagine waking up at someone's house, and that like someone either if you know them or if you don't, and then you're like, did we have sex? And they're like, oh, I'm not going to tell you. Like, <laughs> it's secret safe with me. Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's, a, he's a doctor who won't cross the line to actually do it, but then afterwards he won't confirm that they didn't. Because, you know, he's got to tell all of his friends that he did. <laughs> you know, he's got to look like a big man on campus down at the... Uh, he's got to tell all the slugs in his aquariums that he totally did it. Uh, yeah. I 
I think I think the flocks not. I don't. I don't find Flox's rationale believable in any sense of this, and it, it, like it, it stems from the fact that they don't f- define what mating is because it's a silly kind of idea. Like it, it's a very '60s idea where um, mating in the original series just meant sex, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you're kind of bound by those values of that era where sex is just enough. This is. Did you did you ever see the movie Hall Pass? Uh, who's in it? Is that a modern um, one? Yeah, uh, Jason Sudeikis yes, and have, yes. uh, Owen Wilson. Yes, that's yeah. do, do you remember? <laughs> I'm not going to explain what it is, but do, if you haven't seen it, you can look it up for yourselves. But do you remember when he explains what the fake chow is? No, I don't think so. Maybe I okay, haven't seen well, this one. Look, look, look that up. <laughs> I'm, what I'm, my point is, he could have done that. I guess. Sure. <clears throat> I. I would actually. I don't really understand why it's flocks in there with her. Um, yeah. Well, I. It's funny. Isn't a human I, better? Well, I liked the pairing actually because he's so. It seems like a natural pairing because he's so kind of like, you know, weird and kind of wriggly and about stuff and and uh, kind of has an interesting odd manner. But, but he's like, so open. He's he's the most open. Mm. He's the most open to experimentation. That's his like defining characteristic. He's like, I'm just out here absorbing new cultures and doing whatever the hell is going on. So mm. he, he just seems the wrong choice to be the prude in this case. Like it's a it's a human it's a human hang up, I would think. Sure. Well I wonder if the intention was that he doesn't know what Ponfar is. Yeah. So I wonder if the intention is that is that he's not totally sure that what she's saying is legit, so he doesn't want to like take advantage of her only to find out that it was the virus just fucking with her head, right? Even though she does she does explain it to him as something that is is real that does happen to Vulcans, but even yeah. still, it's like, is this really the best <clears throat> best time to uh, to test this out? Um, yeah, it it is it is weird because I mean like. I don't like. I can't imagine. Can, do you think uh, any other Doctor character in Star Trek would have been like, "Well, lay down"? You know, <laughs> well, like, like, they've never I, been presented I don't, I don't with the option. Yeah, I, what's that? Well, they've just never been presented with the option. I, I just, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's why it doesn't work. Like the story itself doesn't work for Star Trek because the logical outcome, the logical out of this story, is not suitable for family television. You know, mm-hmm. so they have to just make it a hang up. On honestly, I bet I bet Crusher would. <laughs> would that count? She wasn't is it, born is it, with is that. Is it just enough? Like, is is it just enough to you know go down yeah, on each know. other? Or something like is this is this solve pon far for people? I I just don't think that the way that you make it kind of interesting is that like you have to a little bit divorce pon far from this sexual angle and just be like. Vulcans every once in a while lose their emotional control and they revert to their earlier form, which is this like hysterical sort of emotional species. And Mm -hmm. the danger is that Vulcans are strong and he's locked in this box with a more and more irrational to Paul who's losing control. Death death by snoo snoo, as they say on on Futurama. They're not going to have sex or anything like that, but... He's being, he's like, you're trapped in a elevator with like American Werewolf in Paris, sort of. Like, you're, it's just mm-hmm. like this change that's happening. Oh, if we're going to go there, let's go London, not Paris. Sure. So, <laughs> 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 I, 
that I I think that's that's like the only way to do it. I don't I don't even know if that's interesting really. Like Flox mm. is in danger of getting his head bashed in by DePaul while they're in the decon chamber. Yeah. But I I just Watching it is so tough. It's just like good for Jolene Blaylock, but this episode, she, like the directors are just like more lube on your legs, more more lube on your legs. I I sit thought on his it was lap. Sit on his lap. It was, straddle him. It was I. I um, what's her? Uh, the woman from Voyager directed this, right? Yeah, Roxanne Dawson. That, yeah, I wonder if they would have shot this the same way if a man had done it. It's true. Only it's because point. they. Every time they do like a sexy close up of Jolene Blaylock lubing up her thighs, they cut to an e- like the exact same shot of uh Flox's yeah. weird looking legs and shit. <laughs> like it was hilarious. It was like it was it was the the one time they've done that in the show where I was legitimately like, okay, they they're definitely they're definitely playing this for uh, titillation but also as a joke. Yeah, I just I don't think the joke lands um well, I think I think what's missing though is like I think it would probably have been more successful if it was less about just she needs to screw someone or she's going to die and more turn it into one of those like uh you need to lock me in a cage no matter what I say don't let me out and then the person is saying everything they can to try to convince you to let them out of the cage right like that kind of thing which they never really do because they don't really get past the sex stuff yeah it basically is stuck just there and in doing that you're not you're only doing it for titillation sake you're not learning anything about the Vulcans or to Paul or is she a, I mean, she seems pretty uh, conscious of her Vulcanness not getting uh, corrupted and stuff. Is is she afraid of Ponfar because it means she's going to lose control of her emotions? Yeah. You know, what does that mean for her as a character? I think that stuff could be really interesting. But, you know, or she can run around in a sweaty tank top for 40 minutes. Yeah, it's... it's, it's no complaints. It's a, it's a choice that it's her first time undergoing pon far too um so she kind of knows what it is and kind of doesn't at the same time um i was glad yeah i mean that's that's actually really interesting too because she's being presented with an aspect of her culture that she has no experience with yeah and you know she's someone who's very put together generally but she's presented with this thing that is inevitable that clearly has some intense effects um, that is now happening ahead of schedule in front of a bunch of people. She would probably prefer it not happen in front of. <laughs> yeah, she always yeah. she always imagined when she finally had Pawn Far, it would be in a nicely lit room with candles everywhere and stuff. It's never not it's, stuck in an elevator with you. <laughs> it's never the case. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's any space that you can really move it into. Um, it's like a metaphor for becoming a woman or something feels stupid at that point too. Mm-hmm. There's like, yeah. you know, cause they, they have to, they have to play it knowing what it is in the show because it's too strange and way too specific to not identify it as pond far. Like the, mm-hmm. it's just so limited into, into this sex angle that it's like that's what the whole point of it is and you, you just can't tell 
a story that with, with such a limited uh, direction and what this outcome is for her. I just find mm. like if they were trying to do it as a comedy, I don't think any of the comedy outside of the fact that flocks being paired like that Billingsley being paired next to her is just funny in and of itself. Just because, you know, he put, he don't put up the little shower curtain between them yeah, as a, yeah. as like an installation into his decon chamber. But outside of that, it's not, it's just I think, awkward. They don't, they don't put anybody in there with her <clears throat> who like, definitely would but knows he shouldn't so like he's fighting something is you know what i mean like flocks clearly is not really interested in in trying to be professional but like if you put reed or uh um trip in there with her they're probably gonna think about it at least yeah there's just no there's no downside to doing it is the problem it's it's like it's not like it's some like black widow thing like the female vulcan mates with someone and then eats their head or something like that you know it's like there's this there's no it's only the act of having sex with her saves her life and you have sex with her. There's no, there's no downside to it. <laughs> That's what I've been saying to everybody <laughs> for years, Brandon. It's Rick, Rick, there's no conflict in this, in this story. Can you, could you tell that to my wife, please? <laughs> there's no downside, Rick, to, to what's going on. That, I mean, that's, it's, that's why it's such a, Oh boy! I hope he hears this someday. That's why it's so um, kind of embarrassing as a script, I guess, because it's it's like this. It's a very juvenile male. I don't even know how you get. I have no idea how. I I really just honestly have a big problem with this script because you can't get around the fact that fixing it is to have sex with her. That's it's mm-hmm. just it's too adult of a star trek idea really to have um i would like to paul undergoes ponfar on a random planet and they lose track of her is something you know like sure, sure. it's just the fact that she's stuck in this room is not not great and embarrassing yeah, for think- her as Julian blaylock and it's also embarrassing for john billingsley because like hey you fat fuck <laughs> you're, you're the weirdest one that we compare yeah. her with so you get in there and you can't have sex with her take that yeah, um, <clears throat> that's why I think I think keeping them stuck in the room the whole time is was is a bit of a mistake because there's if you're gonna have fun with it, have fun with it, and having fun with it would mean how does everybody else on the ship react to this? Like it's yeah. it's it's tough because you know you don't want to. You just have to I gyrate the, this. The I want I want to interrupt, but like, did you I, say gyrate? I, I agree with let her loose, but also tone down the I want to straddle you. And ride right. you. Like, yeah. Because the thing is, the thing is, like, you don't want to come away. If let's if, if let's say you do, obviously, it's not a one to one because, you know, various reasons. But if you do want to liken it to someone getting blackout drunk or something like that, mm-hmm. you don't want to come away with that person looking everybody not respecting her when 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 she sleeps it off you know what i mean so like if you have her running around the ship and like assaulting everybody she's gonna feel pretty fucking bad about it right everybody else is gonna kind of like give her the eye from now on you don't want to do that because you don't want to make her you don't want to devalue her as a person or, or a character like that so it's it's yeah it's really tough with this thing to it's like because it's at the end, when she wakes up, 
She's like, I hope you won't tell anybody about what happened. He's like, no, never. But everybody on the ship already everybody. knows. And like, <laughs> everybody of consequence was there when they had to like phaser her to knock her out. Was that after the scene where Arch is like, what the hell happened up here? And Malcolm's like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you picked the wrong day to get captured, sir. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's all it's all just very weird because like. You know, you you can't go so far as to be disrespectful to the actress or the character, um, or the character in, in the eyes of the other people on the ship and stuff. But is there room in there for to Paul? You know, being a f- finally letting loose and dealing with that kind of thing. I don't know. I, I I don't think. I think you're right. I think they they didn't really think it out past. Wouldn't it be hilarious? And sexy if T'Pol went through Pont Far. Yeah, I mean... Stuck specifically in the decon chamber so she could rub glitter all over herself. I think we talked about it in a previous episode. Like, if this was a more serialized story that was taking relationships on the ship seriously and was kind of being uh, like, this is a crew that's not used to deep space exploration for a very long time and there's a lot of... um, feelings that are coming up and the show has mm-hmm. acknowledged that T'Pol is extremely attractive and what do the men on this ship think they've hinted at it but the episodes always played off as if it's just like some sort of uh, joke that that goes mm. into it but if if there was a sense that T'Pol was regarded as gorgeous by the male or you know whoever's attracted to her male or female characters on the ship that there, like, to Paul's Vulcanness is the is the interference in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, if she's a human female or uh, whatever, it's a different approach than to Paul's innately Vulcan outlook on life would allow for in terms of how she looks and how she reacts to like relationships with people mm-hmm. on the ship. And if this was the case of all the guys getting. Uh, having their like to Paul moment where they're falling for her, and then eventually this thing happens where she is now flipped. You still need you still need some better reason, I think. But like right. there, there's there's a development there where you're building this to Paul character in the male relationships with her, and then Pon Far comes along and it screws up the relationship that everyone had had to that point. Mm-hmm. There's something there, but it, it's it's still it's how, still not enough. How did they handle this on? the original series curing pond far or just do it like yeah. spock had to or fight just, for <clears throat> spock fought okay Kirk. so so it wasn't explicitly a sex thing it was just like a, it was the intent to mate but i don't think he i don't think he like busts a nut and they they cut and then they call it you know it's like i i think that it's just supposed to be i, his- I guarantee you there is some fan <laughs> fiction out there where that fight goes very differently. I think that's what it was. So he's just he's pining for a mate, and Kirk is his uh, opposition, and they fight each other, and then he comes out. Is of that it. the uh, nice. a mock time? Yeah. So I don't um, I don't know. Here, Flux yeah. cures it with a injection, and that's that's the end of it. He gives her a, a chemical hysterectomy or something like that, and just cures it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think it would. There's so much more there you could do with it and how it applies to her as a character, what you learn from her as a character, what she and Flocks learn from each other. Uh, not like in the Bob Seger sense, but just like uh, just generally about <laughs> being characters together. Um, yeah, it's just it's unfortunate that they just play it for especially in an episode like this where 
neither one of the storylines are particularly headlining. Yeah. Um, it's a bummer that they don't use this to do something more interesting character-wise. Because even if, even if you consider the Archer story the A story, this still could have been a really engaging B-plot if they had done something a little bit more interesting than what they did. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's it for this one. I don't have anything else to say. We have a lot of patron thoughts, so maybe we'll just go through those and we can read them and come up with our own thoughts. So we'll take a break, play a clip from the episode, and then we'll come back, read our, uh, give our final thoughts, read the patron thoughts, and that'll be it for Bounty. I see you made it back safely. Do you think the Klingons know you gave me that lockpick? I don't see why they would. What are you going to do with your reward? I'm not sure. If you know of an old freighter for sale... I'll keep my eyes open. Be careful, Captain. It's likely the Klingons will double their bounty. I hope you won't be the one to collect it. No promises. Thank you very much for listening today to the podcast for Bounty. If you enjoyed the show and you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash file. Patreon.com slash file and support us there. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. This month we had Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Friday the 13th Part 2 is about to come out. What the hell else did we do? We did, uh, there was a Bond uh, movie, GoldenEye. GoldenEye and we did physical. content consumption. Yeah, we did the physical media. Physical media versus digital media. So we had a whole bunch of stuff on <clears throat> Patreon this month. And uh, there's all 80 plus podcasts that are available to you now if you want to sign up and look back in time at everything there. Patreon.com. More hours of podcasts than there were days in the month. Yes. Absolutely. I don't even need to check to know that that's a fact. <laughs> it's not a leap year. It's definitely true. Yeah. Patreon.com slash the Penske Pal. If you want to go there, support the show. It's much appreciated. And as always, our Captain Tier supporters get a special thank you. Special thanks goes to Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Michael Pond, Matthew Ross, Andrew Churlock, Cardinal Doomsday, Nathan Elliott, Samuel Custer, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergi, Grim Santo, Sean, Christian Pouch, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Darth Mosk, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Vol 13, Hero, Russell Elge, Rune Benler, HH28, Stephen Minton, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Point Extra G, Nick the Rat, Mike, uh, Mike Harris, Grapple John Zorn, Eric Santuan, Kevin Lowry, Captain Brazen, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Dave Davies, Retail, Olivier Pardieu, Worf's Tanny Brown Dix, Tom Hickey, and Jose Hunters, it's EW, I can't remember. This thing always cuts it off, and I can't see the full name. But thank you, Jose Hunter. You know, I think we're in the, I think we're in the market. We're about due for a new month. Don't you think? It's been like, what, 300 years? Mix it up a bit. You want to you change the Gregorian calendar or whatever it's called? Yeah, to- take, like, take like two days from yeah take two days trim two days off of every month get yourself another like truncated maybe like a short month drop it in the middle of the, the year i don't know just everybody have have a good time yeah smarch yeah maybe <laughs> what's uh, march is the month without a holiday in it right that's why it's so awful i think there's no yeah <laughs> i think there's no official holiday uh in it it's yeah coming coming off of the the, the month with one fewer day than all the other ones and then into one where there's no days off yeah you get maybe it's march and april there's no holiday in april either i don't think you have to wait till uh, memorial day easter if you recognize yeah it such. corporate america doesn't recognize easter so you don't get the day off and it's also it's a sunday yeah yeah um I think you have to wait till Memorial Day, so I think we're in the middle of a two-month stretch. So, yeah, we might as well smush March and April together, make the summer come even faster. That's it. 
Thank you very much. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Let's go to our patron thoughts now and see what people thought. Matt Ross says, Bounty, why the hell is there no security escorting the captain and chief engineer to the airlock with an unknown contact? And why is Decon not next to the airlock? Yeah, yeah. Archer will aw shucks his way out of trouble with the Klingons and Bounty and Yawn. And as to the meats, oh yeah. Brandon, get Blaylock to show some leg, make her sweaty, and let's get some interspecies exchange. What do you mean this is a family show? Two sexy times out of five. Eric McGowan says, Bounty, finally Clay's Rick Berman gets the episode he's always wanted and doesn't Fox's <laughs> prudishness go against his Not portrayal? Not quite. There's actually a, a different cut of the script that I fought very hard for, but uh, I couldn't get it past the censors, unfortunately. <laughs> Brandon. Lots of lots of stand-ins. We used a lot of stand-ins <laughs> for scenes that I shot at my house afterwards. Brandon, Brandon would refuse to put them in. Brandon, does DePaul prefer her scripts cut or uncut? <laughs> <laughs> Eric McGowan says, Flox's uh, prudishness, doesn't it go against his portrayal and stigma? Yes, it does. I, I think that's the critical flaw of this episode, besides the fact that the idea is terrible. Alex Martin says, we all knew this was coming since the pilot. I'm actually surprised they waited two seasons to introduce Pond Far. Berman That's Braga. a really good point, actually. Like it, this, I'm surprised they didn't drop this on like episode three or something. Yeah, I, I can kind of see this as a break glass in case of emergency storyline. Sure. And sure. I, feel, I feel you have to go a, maybe a season and then the second half where you're like, I'm just flat out of ideas. Uh, you th- break, break the glass then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Berman and Braga must have been itching to do this from day one, and it was all a bacterial infection so that we could have another go at it in the future. But sadly, Enterprise got canceled before the sequel episode featuring Hoshi and T'Pol draft on a desert planet in heat. Oh, and there was some other plot going on with Archer, I think, but I forget. Two massively cold Vulcan nipples out of five. She could have broken out of the decon room by cutting through the glass. Poor Jolene Blaylock. She... Those not, little... not, to sound, not to sound crass, but I didn't really notice that. Her nips. I was really looking. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, uh, no. I, I think they. I think they took the steps to pr- protect her from over <laughs> overexposure. Let's put it that way. It's all blue in post too. It's not actually cold in there. Um, Latte librarian says the blue. The the blue is 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 what you're seeing watching it through Rick Berman's eyes. Everything's <laughs> just. It's just. Really blue. Just you know uh, serum about. bubbling up from the bottom. The latte librarian says, wow, Julian Blaylock deserved hazard pay for having to act in this distressingly gross episode. It's like the writers decided that instead of a normal B-plot, they would just stick in their pervy to Paul fan fiction. And please, for the love of all that is Trek, someone give the woman a whole shirt to wear when she's not on duty. One microbe out of five. Yeah. How come... <coughs> Excuse me. How come to Paul... I mean, uh, Flox got to wear like a bathing suit from the twenties in the decon <laughs> chamber, but she's, she had to come straight from her Maxim cover shoot with what the clothes they gave her there to do it. Yeah. It's, it's this weird. It's, she's not wearing a bra. She's just wearing a little bit more fabric on a bra. Really? Like it's, you know, the mm-hmm. bra is inappropriate for TV. She can't be wearing a bra. Give her a extremely high cut halter top. Yeah. <laughs> and you call it a day. If you uh, if you join the Patreon and, and and listen to our coverage of Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, there's a character in that movie who actually has a very similar wardrobe where she wears. It's just it's clearly just that they wanted one character to dress in the most insanely sexual ways they could. Yeah. So they all of her shirts are. She has one that's long sleeved, but then it's it's a cutoff like right below the boobs. Yeah. 
And it's just the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. All of her, she has no shirts that reach her pant line. It's all just it's um did you ever bust see line up? Was it Bully? It's that movie Bully. Do you know the movie Bully with um who's the director of kids? You remember that kids movie? The sort I, of provocative yeah, I, director. I'm, I remember it, but I don't remember the the. Uh, I think the the name of the director. Yeah, bully. Uh, bully is one where I think I think her name is Bijou Phillips. Bijou Phillips, something oh, like sure. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's she's a teen in that movie. Her who the only thing I remember about that movie is that her cutoff is cut so high that you can see the underside of her breasts underneath the shirt when she's just hanging around. So like mm-hmm. she's hanging out from beneath her shirt because of how high the halter top is. But that's like the that's the only thing I remember about that movie. Obviously, for good reason. I uh, anytime something like that is comes around in in movies or in life, I just remember back to the the scene from Scrooged, where the um, uh, FCC person is is trying to nix the solid gold dancers, claiming you can see their nipples through yep. their costumes. Yeah, and uh, the one the one worker guy is like, yeah, uh, you could hardly see them nipples. And Bill Maher goes, and these guys are really looking. <laughs> um, is there something else? to say oh uh point extra g says i'm a straight male but after seeing that nearly naked sexy smooth skinned denobulan demigod that is dr Flox, i instantly know why to had to have her some premature upon far or not honestly though is an interesting idea maybe she's not in upon far and this is just the irresistible irresistible nature of dr Flox. honestly though the continual over sexualization of julian blaylock shows that the showrunners really were out of touch and had no idea who their core audience was or what they wanted Clay's Berman impersonation sadly seems not so ridiculous in light of this episode. Oh, yeah, Archer gets captured by the worst bounty hunter ever, and Robert O'Reilly shows up sans... Who's Robert O'Reilly in this? That's interesting. Uh, Sans crazy eyes. That's who the Who song is about. Yeah, that's that's a good... Robert Bob O'Reilly. We see Trip in charge for a bit. That's the only positive I got. There is one shot of her in the decon chamber where I'm pretty sure whatever pose she's in, they realized they couldn't actually show mm. because she's like arched forward with like her back out and like the camera, you just like see her shoulders and her head and her feet in the background. Yeah. And it's, and it's like this ridiculous pose. She like crawled her way into that. I'm sure they were like, yeah, this, we can't put this on TV. The, uh, the one, the, the line that sticks out to me is, she says she's like, I'm hungry. And he's like, We have food yeah. coming. She's like, not that kind of hungry. <laughs> she's hungry in the deaf leopard sense. Give her inches and feed her well. As the, the scorpions the, would the, say. The sexiest line of all time. Um <laughs> fucking such a bizarre, Imagine writing that. <laughs> when I when I finally listened, like when I had listened to that song for years and years, and then I finally realized what the hell he was saying. I was like, that can't be it. That can't be what he says. <laughs> the bitch is hungry. She needs to tell Wes. <laughs> Give her inches and feed her well. It's the same Boy. with um. We were laughing when you did uh, a song. We might probably mentioned this on the podcast. It was you. You're doing um, Eddie Money's take. Oh yes. Well, well shaking, shaking. Yeah, the karaoke shaking. machine yeah. insisted that he was <laughs> that Eddie Money saying her her tits are shaking. <laughs> Yeah, almost positive that is not the actual lyrics. I don't lyrics. think that's the line. But it was very funny to see the karaoke machine earnestly tell us that you have to sing her tits were shaking. Whoa. Mm. Uh, that's it. I thought I had something. No, there's something. Oh, well, it's a good place as any. We had a, uh, we had a YouTube comment 
from someone who was complaining about the uh, our take on Blaylock. Mm. The hell was it? What were we talking about? We were ta- talking about the uh, the oversexualization of Jolene Blaylock in this. Mm-hmm. This person wrote paragraphs telling me why I'm probably homosexual, <laughs> and I don't know. Like I, I I feel this is a good point for like the comment is silly as fuck, but it's like you might as well it might as well just put out something now to like explain why this is bad for this show because sure. I think I think the point starts there. Sexualization in art is not bad. There's there's nothing wrong with it, and there's nothing wrong with bodies or sex or anything like that. This is um, Star Trek. I don't know if I don't know if this person if this person's aware, but like Star Trek just doesn't have the skeletal structure to support this kind of stuff. It's just it's remarkably unsexy. It's not a sexy mm. show. It just can't handle it. And the Tapal stuff sticks out, much as we said in um, the pilot, because it's in there for n- no reason, really. Right. Like, even this episode, th- there's no reason, there's no good story reason why this is happening, outside of the fact that they think it's funny that Jolene Blaylock has to do this and Tapal has to do it. And I'd be all for that thing I was talking about earlier, which is like Tapal is the. Uh, the wanted character out of like all the the uh, other characters on the ship, but she doesn't respect it because she's Vulcan and doesn't think about mm-hmm. things that way. It's just this. There's a time and a place for it, really. Like I don't know how how else to describe it, but it's just it's not appropriate yeah. to just put titillation into your show because it's a sign they have no idea what you're doing except for that, and it's the only thing that you can do to save yourself. Right, and it's uh, <clears throat> it's not like they ever do it with Hoshi. And I'm not saying that I think she also should be visually sexually exploited. They did have that episode is- where her shirt got torn off, remember? And she she covers herself up. She oh, falls sure, she sure. falls through the turbo lift or something. Yeah, but but my point is that it's it's clearly focused on one character and is not an aspect of the show. It's like it's not baked into the fabric of the show, like you're saying, where this isn't the 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 Star Trek where everybody has relationships and sex right. is involved, right? This is it's just her, and it's she's the only one they put through these things, and it's never for any constructive reason, yeah, or story reason except to like look at her her, her ass, yeah, basically, yeah, and <clears> oh, <throat> they or they play it as a joke, and it's always the same, you know, it's 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 a it's a very juvenile way they handle it on the show, um. And they, I definitely think that they could have played it more uh, adult, but they don't. It's they, they, and I think this episode is a, is an example of how it feels like a bunch of kids kind of giggling about it. Yeah, you know, um, whether it's this or Archer falling face first into her boobs or something, it's just it's very, it's very juvenile and very specific to to Paul in a way that is not uh and i'm not saying it needs to just be the female characters like they never do this stuff with like trip really May- mayweather or, would be the the May- male character yeah they never do it with me May- although i mean they, they might should. as well yeah this, just- he's unbelievable <laughs> i mean i assume he's not on the show more and because everybody else is a, uh, uh embarrassed at how much better looking he is um but you know it's like it's not mayweather it, it's not mayweather travis 
take your shirt off and get us out of this nebula. Just- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these these suits are way too tight, Cap. I need to just loosen up my arms a little bit. Do you never wear a shirt under your suit? <laughs> he's got he's um, got he's got Blaylock's uh, halter top on underneath. Yeah, but yeah, it's like it's not it's not part of the show. It's not they're not doing it for any constructive reason other than the fact that they have a really attractive woman on the show that they're pointing the camera at right. in, in suggestive ways that, you know, it's is, funny is it, to me. Is well, Sorry. Is it semi accept? Mm-hmm. Would it be semi acceptable to you? If the joke, is this a joke to Paul is willing to do these things and it is distracting is it better to do this where the, every time this has to happen to T'Pol, she is indifferent to what's going on and treats it clinically, where the male characters are very put off, not put off, but they're very like awkward by it. Like it's because it is hard. It's harder on them, really, in some ways, than it would be on T'Pol because T'Pol is a Vulcan. She pro- just shouldn't dress that way. She's just what you're she's saying too scandalously, but she shouldn't really care. Like T'Pol is right. indifferent to it. And the way that the show does it is the show takes advantage of that by just being like, well, T'Pol doesn't care, so she'll just do it. But I think a way to add depth to it is the you show the male human's point of view and how um, riled up it gets them. You know, like it, it's kind of it's it's that kind of a thing. And T'Pol, I, I think you just have to give T'Pol the character a little bit more control over it so yeah, that it empowers sure. her yeah. and it's not just Jolene Blaylock taking off her clothes it's more to paul is divorced from whatever this thing is means to humans and she does not care in in any sense about it yeah that's that's the thing about it is it doesn't feel like she has much agency when it comes to this stuff and and it's like it's a it's a an agency born of the creative process if that makes sense where it's like they're not they're not giving they're choosing to present her in a way that is exploitative um and are not making it part of her character or part of the 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 thing which that which innately takes away any agency she has over whether or not it's how she reacts to it if i don't know if that makes a lot of sense but mm-hmm. i hope you don't understand what i'm saying and um yeah i think I, I just think it needs to be more if they're gonna do it, you gotta you gotta commit to it and make it more equal opportunity. Yeah. You know? Like I I don't know one of the things that I, I, I always thought was hilarious and I was like, man, it's it's about time they started doing this was when I started watching the CW uh DC comics shows. An episode doesn't go by without uh what's his name from from green arrow taking off his shirt and doing like salmon ladders in full view of view of the camera and like they never do that with the women and it's like that's fine it's about time for that to happen but it's 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 they they don't they don't handle that stuff well at this point in in star trek and i was gonna say i'm surprised that for as um edgy as discovery claims itself to be they don't have any better of a handle on this stuff no because they i'm surprisingly they don't do it at all like the they the only sex that has been in discovery is (laughs) the king on right basically well except for i mean uh um, mira Lorca had sex with that woman admiral too that that's sure yeah um and uh michael and book got together but it's like it's always 
it's it's not ever really part of the show. That's the, Michael and Book is the only time where like a relationship like that has been part of the show. Stamets and Culver, they, I guess you know it's but it's, uh, it's the same point. It's I, the same point to you. I, it's that it's not important yeah. to them. Yeah, I don't I don't really count that because that's obviously they're in a relationship, but it's not the same sort of like sexual charge that you would get in a sh- in an episode like this where you've got two characters who are very clearly sure. like headed in, the, in a, dire- a certain direction. They don't do that on Discovery. And I'm kind of surprised. Like they've got all those people on the ship and seemingly the only people who are in a relationship are uh, Stamets and Culber. Yes. And I'm just kind of surprised that they've never gotten into that at all. Yeah. Just, for all the other blood and guts and swears they throw around, they 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 still don't seem to be able to broach the uh, topic of most yeah, most the, relationships. The sex barrier is still is still tough for them. It is it is true. I don't I don't know I don't know why they why they can't. And I'm not saying that would make the show better. No, I'm just surprised. I'm surprised that they haven't done it. Kyle Barrett says, "I thought Voyager did Ponfar poorly when they treated it with the same warped moralistic gusto that TNG treated the Prime Directive." Whereas TNG would rather see an entire civilization wiped out than find out about aliens, Voyager would prefer the Vulcans die from extreme horniness than let a crew member have sex with them. This episode is even worse because Phlox doesn't even cite ethical concerns over the idea, but rather he's just so prudish he puts Paul's life in danger, which is a completely contrary point. characterization for the previously sexually adventurous Doctor. There's a good Ponfar episode tackling the issue of consent yet to be made. Maybe if the Discovery writers ever grow a backbone, but this isn't it at all. Instead, reveling in the provocative aspects with cringy results. Flock should have just whipped out his big blue dick and split to Paul open like a coconut. <laughs> Two out of five. It's true. Holy shit. It's the, <laughs> it's the, it's the fix. <clears throat> it's, um, yeah, I mean, there is an... There, there is an idea in this about consent. Mm-hmm. The, I guess the trouble with it is that uh, even in this episode, T'Pol is aware of what she's doing when she's in her state. It's sort of bizarre that she doesn't remember things at yeah, the end of it. I thought that was weird too. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't seem like the kind of event. Like even when it's when it's happening, she's aware of what's happening to her. And it doesn't seem like she should just wake up the next day and be like, I don't remember anything that, that happened there. It's um it's I understand what Kyle means by there's a consent issue there, and it's the mm-hmm. drunk thing that we were talking about, but the way they've portrayed it so far doesn't really line up with consent because it they're in total control of what they're doing, it seems. They're they're driven, but they're um they're not like incapacitated or anything. I don't know if this is hinting well, I at think, it. I think that's I'm wondering if they the, the the fact that she doesn't remember stuff seems to be the driving factor as to why you would have flocks be so prudish about it. But he doesn't know that until the very end. Right, right. It it seems like it's a writing problem more than anything else because yeah. it's like there's if she if she is of of sound well if she is of sound as sound mind as one can be in the midst of Ponfar and remembers everything then I think there's it gets a little bit more gray, but um, as soon as you establish at the end there that I still think I still think it doesn't help the way that they play it out because she doesn't like I said she doesn't remember anything and then she asks what happened and he's like oh I'm not telling yeah, you yeah yeah you know it's that's not any better than if they had had them actually have sex but it's it's still you still had this problem of it's necessary to save her life to do something you know it's right. not just. It's not just um, 
they lose their minds and become uncontrollably horny and black out basically it's like if right. you don't if you yeah. don't do something about it she will die so there's no good reason not to do something about it um i don't know it, it is strange uh thank you kyle jose hunter's ewnf remixes there's the full name bounty it was okay uh cago the name of the character played by robert o'reilly translates from spanish to i defecate I still don't know who Cago is. Cago, who the hell's Cago? Don't is he the main Tellerite? He. Let me see here. Maybe out there in the field. Scalar is the main fighting one. for his meals. Jordan Loon plays him. Cago is the other bounty hunter, the little alien, the funny alien. Oh, guy. the guy from He Man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's that's Robert Riley. He seems like someone who puts his back into his living for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like when they when they chime in with him. He's trying to fix his ship, and he's just like carrying big triangle things. <laughs> makeup uh, makeup appliances have come a long way from the original series to Enterprise. For evidence, compare the Tellarites from this episode to Two S's Journey from Babel. Three Modi operanduses out of five. Yeah, they uh, the Tellarite makeup looks a lot better than it did in Journey to Babel. Obviously, they uh, they don't just look like pig masks stretched over someone's head. Colonel Doomsday says, Bounty is a shit sandwich with extra decon gel. The only bounty I want is the chocolate bar with the coconut inside. Am I missing that reference? That's is there a, a chocolate bar in this? A, that's a Mounds bar. That's a, <laughs> oh, maybe it's, he is uh, Australian or New Zealand. Uh, he is uh, over there on the other side. So maybe they have different uh, names for Almond Joy or whatever you'd call it at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope Julian Blaylock got extra pay for this garbage. One out of five. One out of five. One. Clay's Rick Berman's impressions out of five. Sorry. I think you got at least five of them. Five out of five of those in this episode. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, mixing metaphors. Yeah, what is it? Is it, is it Mounds that has the uh, coconut? I like the Almond Joy. Yeah, think, Mounds, right? they both do. Yeah. Uh, the only difference is Almond Joy also has almonds. What's your favorite candy bar? My favorite candy bar, if you put a gun to my head, is probably Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, if that counts as a candy bar. Hmm. If it doesn't count as a candy bar, honestly, I don't know because I kind of go all. It depends on my uh, on my mood. Is there any candy bar you say I don't want that fucking thing? Not really. I'll eat a Mars bar, but I won't really love it. I. I don't. We talking like British Mars bar? Isn't the Mars bar the one with the nougat inside? Isn't that? Oh, the, okay. Yeah. Like a Milky Way? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Milky Way. Yeah, Milky Way. I, 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 won't, I don't like a Milky Way. What about Snickers? Because Milky, it's just a Snickers is just a Milky Way with peanuts in it. I like Snickers better. It's got a little bit of crunch. Why do I not have this much working knowledge of candy? <laughs> it's about, my favorite is Butterfinger. I'll always yeah, have a Butterfinger. Yeah. yeah, I was uh, I was big into Three Musketeers for a while, mm. like years ago. Um, and uh, Heath Bar. I like Heath Bars a lot. Heath too. Bars are really good. Underrated. Yeah. Heath Bar is uh, yeah, number one underrated candy. I like uh, crispy caramel uh, toffee or whatever. Also, it is. big fan of Caramellos. Yep. The, Cad- the Cadbury ones. Whatchamacallits. Yeah, you remember Whatchamacallits? Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually know. I don't actually know if I ever had one of those. I remember the ads more than the candy. <clears throat> Huge ad run in the mid 90s for Whatchamacallits. Yeah. 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 Gr- I feel like the 100 Grand Bar got a lot of push in the 90s as yep. well, too. Yep. I like that one, too. Uh, Royo says, Bounty, leave it to Enterprise to make an episode. You know what I don't really care for? I've never been a big Baby Ruth fan. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Baby Ruth seems like 
you know how you can make like hash out of the pieces of meat that you don't really have yeah. anything to and it <laughs> seems like a candy hash yeah where it's like eh, we get a bunch of peanuts and chocolate and shit mix let's form it into a, the shape of a shit and then put it in <laughs> sell it name it after a baseball player that's capitalism baby yeah i um and like one i've now i'm just being reminded of all the candy bars the one i've grown out of is i used to love paydays as a kid sure and now yeah. i don't find them that that appealing really you can't get any easier of a candy bar than just we lay out some caramel and stick peanuts all over it and then give it yeah. to you. Also, like if if you're if I'm in like a a, a pretty like straightforward mood, uh, Nestle's Crunch can't go wrong with a good Nestle's yep. Crunch bar. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Royo says leave it to Enterprise to make an episode about bounty bounty hunting boring and irritating. Archer tries to weasel out of the bounty by being as aggra- aggravating as possible by talking the bounty hunter's ear off, but unsurprisingly, this does not make for great television. And if the premise of bounty hunting wasn't squandered enough, Archer ends up getting away because the Klingons aren't smart enough to actually pay their bounties. You would think the Klingons might actually respect bounty hunters as great warriors, but then that would mean that Archer is doomed. So Rick Berman and Brandon Braga write the Klingons as too stupid to accomplish anything to save the day. Too often, the consequences of Archer's incompetence are negated by the greater incompetence of his foes. Half of one out of five. I think one of the... Uh the things this show had an opportunity to do but didn't really fall through on is to make the Klingons scary. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Add some more like, you know, teeth. Not that they need any more teeth, am I right? Um but yeah, they they just kinda they don't really do much with them other than just kinda use them in s- these stories that come along. Like they're no harder to fight or anything. No. Or, or um I feel like the the actors <laughs> react as though Klingon space is a bad place to go, but Mm-hmm. When the Klingons show up, they're the typical goofy, goofy Klingons from TNG. You know, where it's like, yes. fuck these yeah. guys. Like, who, who cares about them? I would, I, I think they featured them too much. I would definitely have a. They are extremely violent and appear sort of like very quickly in certain episodes, and you don't really ever get a good, get a good sense of what the Klingons are before you're chased away or your ship is blown up or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that the Klingons are just not, not um, intimidating enough. And also, what, they do they avoid the Klingon ship at the end of this? Does the Enterprise not run into the Klingon ship? It runs into. No, they the, do. Do they? Yeah, yeah. They they kind of zip because Archer shoots himself off in the uh, oh the pod pod. Yeah, that's the Kling- and they, then and they, Enterprise comes around and starts like pecking at it with its little lasers and stuff until yeah it, uh, i don't yeah that's that's not that's not right and so they they grapple the pod and <laughs> pull them in. um nick the rat says flock seems to be either totally open sexually or a complete stick in the mud he could have been a stick into paul's mud but he passed up the opportunity the moisture i don't know i don't know if that counts as pond far ending if you put the stick in the mud <laughs> It's another it's another question that the episode is just not capable of answering. Um, the moistness dripping down her back to her butt crack getting larger and larger in each scene was the tops. I can watch her rubbing green jelly on her thighs all day. I give this one a six out of nine. You didn't write that internet com- that YouTube comment. I actually know you didn't. Uh, Grappler John Zorn says Enterprise demonstrates the depth of its depth of its script writing with this subtly layered exploration of the Buddhist path and the perils of attachment. Both DePaul and Scalar long for something they cannot have. Scalar for his lost ship, symbolizing the glories of his youth. And DePaul for some of that sweet flocks meat, symbolizing, ah, oh, fuck it, I can't do it. This episode is crap. Cut the B-plot entirely. The episode loses nothing and gains some desperately needed dignity. One Darsec out of five. I honestly, well, I, I don't know if I would agree with that only because I don't think you'd gain anything by 
cutting the B plot because again, which which one is the B plot? Yeah, yeah. They're, neither one of them really has much weight to them, so it's difficult to say if one or the other is more important to the story to the show. Tom Hickey says, I'm not sure which is worse, the aimless insights into the clinical presentation of unscheduled Ponfar or how neither of the plots felt like an acceptable break from the boredom of the other. Fortunately for Archer, everyone his, everyone his Uber driver comes across as a big jerk. Otherwise, I don't see how he gets out of here alive. If they'd all treated, uh, if they'd all treated the Tellarite with a bit more respect, Archer's back in Klingon's hands, Klingon hands and most likely executed. Best line of the episode, you're disturbing my serum. Less than or equal to a two out of five. And last comment, Captain Brazen says, Bounty, more like booty, a typo on Berman's part. Depending on who you are, this is the best erotic decon fan Actually, fiction. actually, I wanted to call it bouncy. <laughs> but my finger slipped and I hit a T by accident. Always punching those T's. This is the best erotic decon fan fiction ever, or it's the worst Berman Braga erotic fan fiction because nobody fucks. DePaul going all crazy for flocks is what I'd do if I was in heat. It's the only way to get to the wives. Now, looking at DePaul going through Ponfar, acting the most thirsty bitch ever, whoring herself to any male she can find, makes Spock look like a fucking saint or a complete dipshit for not screwing Nurse Chapel. I've never seen this episode of Enterprise before, and I will most likely never see it again. One Malcolm wishing he could have sex with DePaul instead of saving himself for his pineapple out of five. You know, I, Malcolm's just a real loser me. in this one, yeah. <laughs> Although I I I did enjoy Malcolm because as she's like rubbing all over his spacesuit, I I was reading on his face. If only no one had told me what was going on, and I could just <laughs> plead ignorance here. But he's like, ah, damn it, I can't do it. Um, but it did occur to me that they they did have that one episode where everybody goes to Riza and Hoshi's the only person that actually gets laid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Progressive. But yeah, like that's even even there, it's played as a, all all the sex stuff is played as a joke. It's not really taken very seriously. Yeah, which is appropriate for Riza, I think. I, I like the sort right. of Star Trek does better in the comedy of errors, and no one gets laid except for Hoshi, the one who doesn't go down there with the expectation that that's going to happen. Like that, that feels like a Star Trek approach to to sex. Mm. Not that that episode is good, but it's a. There's only some ways that they can approach the the topic here uh for this series and this isn't one of them that's it thank you patrons for your thoughts about bounty clay final thoughts about this one what are you going to give it uh on our scale of one to five man i don't know um because again i mean it still falls into that thing where it's like it's not i wouldn't say it's it's not a badly constructed or made episode everything looks good it's directed well the performances are good Scripts don't have problems, quote unquote. Right. Them. Yeah. Yeah. There's not really, they're just kind of middling. Um, I guess a three. I don't know. What are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a two with the yeah. idea that it fits into my definition of a two, which is that a script that just needs, it's just missing. Like there's just some problem with it that it's just not up to snuff to be average. I just feel that the, the Pond Far thing is completely underutilized. If if the entire episode was Archer's storyline, it's a three to me. Mm-hmm. I think the Pond Far thing is just so weak and a waste of a shot that it's a, it's a two for me. I think. Yeah, I I think I agree. I think I'd also go a two because I think the 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 biggest problem for me is that they've got two stories that get almost equal time, and neither one of them stands out as being worth the time it's given. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll give it two threes, or yeah, 
two twos, sorry, for the penultimate episode, Bounty, of Star Trek Enterprise's second season. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. You can go to patreon.com slash the Penske File if you want to support the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske File. We put up a whole bunch of stuff this month, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, GoldenEye, talked about physical media. Friday the 13th part, duh, is up there tomorrow. It'll go up on Friday, so tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, next week, we've got a new Rotten Horror Picture Show. I think it is our next wild card, which is a movie called A Dark Song. Is that I right? My, I feel like you I, said something uh, different last week. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, hold on one second. Let me look real quick. I thought you said uh, something with an S. And I know song has an S, but I thought it was... Maybe I'm wrong. Just waste some time here. I think it's something like slice. Is that is that wrong? No, it is. It is not slice. Is it juice? It's not. It's not juice. It is not. It's not the. It's not famous Italian slashing movie Slice from 1969. Maybe maybe it is that than what you said. I just thought it was something else, but I guess I could be wrong. Uh, if my computer works, I'll, I'll I'll pull it up here in a second. But uh, yeah, we um, we'll we'll be back with uh, part three of Friday the Thirteenth in March. March, which is going to be fun. And do you want to give I'm people a tease for what you time. think about part two? And just say one sentence thing. Um, is two better than one? Isn't there a thing that people think that two is better than one? People really like. To, oh, it's your next. Your, your next is the next one. Okay, sorry, so I was wrong. I but could, right, I, for, I could have sworn we had already done your next. Because no, I, you I, have I've done, got these. You all. have done your next, haven't you? Maybe this, I flipped them. This, so, is, this is riveting. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go to the I think if it's probably. not if it's not your next, it's a dark song. Okay, put, okay. Your next. Um, your next was before Scream. So yes, yeah. yeah I must yeah. have them. I have them flipped on my on my list. Um. Part two, Friday the 13th part two is the first appearance of Jason with a better, uh, it's it's got a better protagonist, but Jason is very unrefined as a concept, let's mm-hmm. put it that way. He has a bag on his head in this one, doesn't sure he? Sure does. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. Does he ever a wear the hockey that, mask in two? Nope. He doesn't get the hockey mask till the third one. Okay. Wow. The bag is, uh, yeah, my biggest problem with the second one is it's way too clean. Like, they spend a lot of time talking about how Jason is this mountain man who's been growing up in the woods and stuff, but he looks like he just bought his outfit at, yeah. out of, like, a Carhartt <laughs> car- yeah. catalog. Yeah. yeah. Like, the bag he's wearing on his head, if it didn't have a hole for his eye, they could have kept it. If they kept the receipt, they could have brought it back. Do they show done. what he looks like under the under the bag? Yes. They briefly, do. Yeah. Right? And he's yeah. he's um deformed or something, isn't he? He looks like a little... Troll? Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's deformed, but he's got like Wolverine sideburns. Okay. So he's got like a beard up to about his chin <laughs> and then like his weird eye and like really yeah. long stringy hair and stuff. All right. You guys can check it's that okay. out. Check that it's out okay. at patreon.com slash the Penske file. And then uh, you'll be, uh, sorry, Silent Night. Is that what you said for the horror, the next one? <laughs> no, a, a Dark Song. Dark Song. Which is uh, the next wild card pick. It's, a, um, it's an Irish movie about two people trying to do a magical ritual and it's done very uh this is a man very pick? yes yeah it's a very intense uh movie that doesn't take the what it takes to do this magical spell very lightly hmm. um and amanda does 
realize I think at the end that all of her wild card picks have about been about two people locked in locked in a single location for, as, for as like you do. two days. Yeah, once, you, once I don't you know find if something. Yeah, I don't know if that's the pandemic eking through <laughs> or what. But. All movies are just two people six feet apart from each other talking at each other, and sometimes one of them is going through Pond Far. Mm-hmm. You can only help. This could have been our COVID episode. Instead, it's not. It's Bounty. We both give it a two. That's it. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time.